Yo, what's up, guys? We're back for another week of predictions, and this week it's UFC 227, but first we're going to go back talk about UFC Calgary real quick. It was a great event, and, um, you know, we didn't hit the parlay of the week or the most confident pick. A little bit disappointed in that. Definitely going to try to bounce back this week, but, you know, basically we hit everything else. It was kind of funny. I think we went 9-4 and four on the um, card there, and, um, you know, kind of had a bounce back night besides those uh, after those two um, early losses on the most confident pick of the parlay of the week, so... Hope you guys were able to, um, you know, still make some money and uh, do your thing on that card. But overall, it was a really fantastic card. You know, the first fight of the night started off with a pretty uh, pretty good fight. You know, it wasn't really supposed to be a good fight, but Devin Powell went in there, took care of business, landed a really nice body kick, put down Alvaro Herrera, and then uh, finished the job, you know, with another body kick. It was really nice. And, um, you know, good win for Devin Powell. And for Alvaro Herrera, I think he's going to get his walking papers in that one. Devin Powell's going to get to stick around. He's going to get, a, you know, another fight on the um, in the UFC, so that's good for Devin Powell. Then up next, we had Nina Ansaroff. She had a pretty dominant victory over Randa Marcos. Had a little bit of trouble in the first round, got taken down. But after that first round, you saw she really wasn't um, engaging in the grappling whatsoever. Was really doing a great job of defending all of Randa's takedowns and um, just dominating the stand-up. And Marcos really didn't show anything on the feet. That really worried Nina, and you could see Nina, you know, is a pretty solid striker, man, and she's improving, um, showed some good takedown defense in that fight, beat Random Marcos, who's a perennial tough out in that division, and uh, I think it's time to give Nina a little bit of a step up, you know, maybe she could fight someone in that top five to seven range there. And then up next was Dustin Ortiz against Mateus Nicolau, man, and this was the most confident pick. Uh, didn't come through there, but, you know, I still have some faith in my boy Nicolau, man. I really thought he was looking really good in that fight, really sharp. He was uh, kind of dominating Dustin Ortiz, if you ask me, and then uh, just got caught with that head kick, man. He blocked it and uh, just had a lot of power on it. You know, Dustin Ortiz, he's a beast, man. Has a lot of early KOs and uh, a lot of power, and um, showed a lot of power there in his feet, man, because that guy blocked the kick. Nikolaj blocked the kick. He was still able to, um, you know, hurt him, and then he finished the job on the ground. So props to Dustin Ortiz, you know, stay chopping. And um, for Nikolaj, man, I don't think you're going to see the last of him. I think he... Um, it's still a pretty sharp, slick striker, a young guy, and um, he'll be back, man. And up next, we had Kalen Chukagian to fight against Alexis Davis. And, um, you know, Chukagian did a regular thing, you know, um, strike it from the outside, just really pieced up Alexis Davis. Alexis Davis is very tough. She was walking her down, but didn't really mount much offense whatsoever. And um, Chukagian got the easy victory there by decision. And uh, I think it's about time you start recognizing Kalen Chukagian. You know, she's undefeated at 125, and... Um, you know, she's a real threat in that division. I don't think she'll um, be able to beat the likes of, you know, Valentina Shevchenko, but maybe she could beat everyone else, you know. I mean, it's very possible. And uh, up next, there's John McDessie gets Ross Pearson, and this was a fucking war, man. Great fight. John McDessie looked great, you know, very slick. He's just really, really nice, man. Very little wasted movement with his striking, landing very clean punches, and Pearson was just eating some shots, man. Really showed a great chin in that fight. And, uh, you know, he was trying to throw with uh, Vicious Intent as well. You know, he was going for the finish. And um, if you don't appreciate that fight, man, you don't uh, really like MMA. That was a really fantastic fight. Uh, props to both guys. John McDessie's got two victories in a row now under Team uh, Rufus Sports. So, really, uh, you know, brought his career back to life after it looked like, uh, you know, he might be uh, retiring, you know. And for Ross Pearson, he did take the loss there. But it was a pretty valiant, perform valiant performance, man. And, um... I thought he looked pretty good, you know, he was eating some huge shots, showed a great chin, 
And, uh, you know, he was still trying to throw for the finish, man. He was trying to go for the win. And, um, you know, I don't think his stock dropped at all there. I think that, you know, that was a great performance by Ross Pearson. But I really do think that it's time that, um, you know, maybe he would hang him up. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe get one more fight, a uh, winnable fight and retire. But you don't want to see him take that type of damage. He took a lot of damage in that fight. Definitely getting older. Um, and uh, he has nothing left to prove, man. He's a... Uh, He's been a warrior for us for a long time. And up next, Jan Kutalaba gets uh, Gonsamer and Antti Gulov. And, um, you know, Antti Gulov was uh, starting the fight off really well, man. He got the takedown early, was doing everything that he wanted. But, uh, you know, he couldn't control Kutalaba on the ground. I was a little bit surprised by that. Kutalaba was able to get up from bottom and uh, really wore out Antti Gulov. And, you know, at the, by the end of that first round, Antti Gulov was gassed, man. Um, didn't have anything left. And Jan Kutalaba put it on him and took him out, man. And props to Jan Kutalaba. Really young guy, um, showed that he's improving very quickly because I think a couple years ago, uh, Antti Gulov would have got the win there, and, uh, you know, for Antti Gulov, man, he's got to work on that cardio, man, he's got to get in the gym and, uh, work on that cardio because if he had cardio in that fight, he could have wrestled him the whole, the whole fight, in my opinion, I mean, Kutilaba basically won off of, uh, you know, being the stronger, uh, better athlete in that one, and up next we had Islam Makachev against Keija Johnson, and, um, you know, pretty dominant victory for Islam Makachev. He continues to impress, man. First round armbar. Uh, really just took it to Cage Johnson right when it went to the ground, man. I mean, within 30 seconds, the guy was in the mount. Took the armbar. It was just domination on the ground. And uh, for Cajun Johnson, you know, I think that's his last fight in the UFC, most likely. And uh hope he had a fun time. He had a good run, you know. And um, <laughs> he had that uh, thing where he kind of faked out Dana White with the handshake. That was kind of f- funny, I guess. So... He got that uh, little cameo going, and, um, you know, his four-fight win streak got snapped. I still don't think he's a bad fighter. I mean, definitely UFC caliber, but, um, you know, when you say those type of things about your employer, uh, you know, you're liable to get fired, and, um, you know, as much as I think that he should stay in the company, I really don't think, I really think this could be his last fight. And for uh, Islam Makachev, you know, he should get a top 10 opponent next, in my opinion. He's running through these guys that are in the top 30, 35s, and, uh, you know, I think they should get a top 10 guy next, and I think that it, we should see really where he's at, because he looks very, very impressive. And up next, Hakeem Dewodu fought against Austin Arnett, and, you know, Austin Arnett showed that same thing, same timidity, man, where he just did not want to strike, uh, was just hanging on the outside, and just let Hakeem just boss the fight, you know, Hakeem landed some hard leg kicks early, kind of hurt the, um, speed and explosiveness of Austin Arnett, and Austin Arnett looked like he just checked out, man, just became a punching bag for the rest of the fight, and, uh, didn't really show any aggressiveness, didn't go for the finish at all, and, um, you know, Dewodu was able to systematically break him down, man, and just win a very easily dominant decision, good win for Dewodu, for Austin Arnett, I think that's definitely his last fight in the UFC, he's taken three straight losses, um, hasn't really showed anything in his two UFC fights, and, um, for Kim Dewodu, good bounce back win after a terrible first UFC fight, and, uh, we'll see where he goes from here, man, we'll see if he's, uh, able to, uh, show that, um, talent that all these guys are talking about back in the day when he was one of the big Canadian prospects, and, uh, up next, Jordan Mean, he, uh, defeated Alex Morono, you know, kind of a boring fight, Jordan Mean just dominated with top control, kind of was laying praying on Morono, Morono was just way too aggressive trying to get the finish, just walked himself into takedowns, pretty terrible performance from Morono, and, uh, for Jordan Mean, you know, that's two in a row now after his career kind of looked like it was dead in the water with his return after he lost two straight there, and, uh, you know, he kind of announced himself again in that fringe top 15 to top 25 place where he was 
right before he uh, retired. You know, he's kind of back at that same spot where now he's going to get a uh, step-up competition, and we're going to see what happens. But I still don't think Jordan Mean is uh, the same Jordan Mean he used to be, man. He doesn't look like he has that same aggressiveness on the feet. He doesn't look like he has that same killer instinct. And, um, you know, I don't know, but we're going to have to see. And up next, Alexander Hernandez against Olivier Alban Mercier. And uh, Hernandez continues to impress, man. He um, actually beat uh, Mercier in his own game, man. He was able to take him down, able to control him against a cage, really win a clinch-heavy fight. And um, if you would have told me that's how he would have fought before this fight, I would have said that Mercier would have won the fight, man, because Mercier had the, um, you know, size advantage as well as, uh, you know, he has the uh, experience advantage in the grappling, and he's a very good grappler as well, and I'm very surprised to see Alexander Hernandez just dominate him in the grappling like that, really showed a, um, you know, Alexander Hernandez is a legit guy, he's well-rounded, because he still showed that he's very dangerous with his striking, Mercier did want no part of uh, striking at distance with him, and, uh, you know, he continues to impress, man, he was really disappointed with his performance, but... You know, if you ask me, uh, really, really a good performance from him. You know, he beat a top 15 guy. Two wins in the top 15 now. And, um, you know, move him on up to a top 10 guy now. And let's see what happens. Because uh, looks like a stud to me, man. And up next, Joanna and Jacek fought Tisha Torres. Joanna was able to, you know, come back and, um, you know, reclaim her uh, her winning ways. You know, she got the pretty dominant victory over Tisha Torres. Torres really was not able to... Um, win any round whatsoever, I mean, she didn't even win, uh, many seconds or many minutes of that fight, to be honest with you, but was still, um, you know, kind of a lackluster fight, Joanna was just, uh, doing a lot of clinch control, uh, defending a lot of takedowns, landing shots, and, uh, Tisha wanted no part of striking at distance with her, and, um, you know, when they were at distance, Joanna was landing some nice leg kicks and nice straight punches, and, uh, you know, looked like her usual self, but I will say, you know, I think she didn't look as, um, aggressive man she doesn't have that same you know killer killer vibe in my opinion and uh I think she's definitely um I don't want to say lost a step but just that wasn't her best performance I'll just say it like that and up next you know Jose Aldo fought against Jeremy Stevens and uh, I was really happy about this uh result man I'm a big fan of Jose Aldo and uh I really feel like a lot of people after he had that loss to Conor McGregor just just wanted to shit on the guy, man, and just uh, just take away everything that he's done in his career and uh, act like that defines his whole entire um, legacy, and it's just not true, man, and a lot of people were on Jeremy Stevens. They were picking him to win this fight to take out Aldo. He was actually a betting underdog going into this fight, and, uh, you know, that was just disrespectful in my opinion, man. Jose Aldo's one of the best to ever do it. Only lost to Holloway and to Conor McGregor, and, uh, he reannounced himself, man. That body shot was a thing of beauty. The setup was really incredible. And Aldo is, uh, you know, a great fighter, man. He's one of the best fighters of all time. And I think it's about time people start giving that man his respect. I mean, I really hope that uh, he can come back and um, get another marquee fight. And we'll see what happens because I think a lot of people are trying to show Jose Aldo the door a little bit too early, man. And I think that he still has, uh, you know, a few fights left in him. And, um, is really a dangerous fight for anyone. I mean, no one could say that Jose Aldo is not a dangerous fight, man. I mean, that guy could finish anyone in the world. Still very, very fast. Still very explosive. Still has incredible takedown defense. I mean, good luck trying to take that guy to the ground. And uh, for Jeremy Stevens, you know, 
he was showing a pretty good performance. You know, he uh, landed a nice uppercut against the cage. Good flurry. Looked like he had Aldo in trouble for a minute. But, um, you know, eventually got hit with that body shot and uh, just went down, man. But Jeremy Stevens is still a guy that uh, I hold in pretty high regard in that division. I think that, you know, he could compete with the top guys. I just don't know if that he could beat the top guys. Because he has fought basically everyone in that top five and uh, lost to all of them, you know. So it's... He's in a bit of a tough spot here now, and uh, after he had all that momentum, now he's taking a step back again, and uh, we're going to see what happens. We're going to see who he's going to fight next, what he's going to do, and um, you know, Jeremy Stevens is still always going to come, and he's going to come to bang and come to give us great fights, so anytime that guy fights, wherever it is, uh, whoever it is, I'm going to be watching, and um, I think a lot of people think the same way, so don't think his stock dropped very much at all, and for Dustin Poirier against Eddie Alvarez, you know, what a fight, man, I was really into this fight as well, I mean, this whole main card was pretty, pretty, pretty good card, besides the Joanna fight, that was a little bit lackluster, but, you know, this fight delivered for sure, you know, back and forth action, Alvarez almost got caught in a guillotine, then, um, Poirier almost got caught in a guillotine, um, you know, it was marred again a little bit by some dirty tactics by Eddie Alvarez, I guess he was sticking his finger inside of, uh, Desert Poirier's ear, trying to manipulate his head, he was, uh, you know, he got out of the choke, the guillotine attempt by grabbing the fence, and then, um, landed that 12 to 6 elbow, where Mark Goddard finally stood him up, took away the position, and it looked like that kind of, uh, you know, right after they took away the position, really fast after Poirier was able to take advantage and take out Eddie Alvarez, man, he threw like a 20 punch combo, Tekken combo just looked like a complete savage out there, man. And Alvarez was was not wanting to go down, man. That guy is still a warrior. He was still hanging in the pocket doing his usual Alvarez thing, swinging bombs back at the guy when he had his opportunities. And, uh, you know, Poirier was able to get that TKO. And, you know, Poirier's fought the who's who, man. He's fought everyone in the 145, 155-pound division. Fought former champions multiple times. Beaten former champions now... Uh, two out of his last three fights, and, um, you know, it's time to give this guy some respect, man, I mean, since he's lost to Connor, I think he's, like, eight or, um, seven or eight and one, with the no contest mixed in there, and, um, the one loss to Michael Johnson, where he got clipped, and, uh, you know, Michael Johnson could do that to a lot of guys, man, very fast in the pocket, and, um, you know, he just got caught in that fight, but other than that, he's finished almost every one of those fights, he's been knocking guys out, and his striking is just looking on another level, man. He's just really looking incredible. And, uh, you know, I really hope he gets that title shot. If he fights against Tony Ferguson, that's an amazing fight as well. Would not be bad about that. And, um, you know, for Eddie Alvarez, man, I really hope he stays in the UFC. That was his last fight on the on his contract. But Eddie Alvarez is a guy that's never been in a boring fight. And uh, if he gets out of the UFC, you know, if he goes to another organization, you know, it'll feel like we're cheated a little bit. You know, cheated out of some great fights because... Eddie Alvarez is one of those guys that's must-see TV, and um, if he's not fighting the best guys, you know, if he goes to a different organization, starts fighting some lesser competition again, and, uh, you know, that's just not the best path for Eddie, in my opinion. That's just not where I want to see him, man. I want to see him fight the best of the best in the UFC, so really hope they can figure that out, get something negotiated, but huge win for Poirier, and we'll see where that goes for him from here, but now we're going to get into UFC 227, and uh, the first fight of the night is... Uh, Luigi Byrne against Marlon Vera, and you know, Cheeto Vera, he's a good striker from distance, he throws good leg kicks, or good left kicks to the body, nice head kick, pretty fast with his kicks, throws a nice straight left hand, good jab, uses good footwork, he, 
you know, he's gotten better at that, but he still kind of gets pushed back against the cage at times. His hands are a bit weak, and, his, and if his opponents could work it to the pocket, um, they could make him fight off his back foot, and he's definitely less effective that way. He could, he could become too passive in fights and not go for it, but he's dangerous when he, when he lets it go. He's dangerous with his left high kick, uh, hurt Brad Pickett, knocked him down with the left high kick. Throws nice inside calf kicks as well, nice oblique kicks to the knees. Throws nice knees to the head, times him really well in takedown attempts. Uh, great cardio, he'll go for it, like against Pickett, he was down 2-0 and, uh, you know, went hunted for the kill, got the finish. And he's fighting for his daughter, you know, his daughter has uh, a problem where she's not able to smile. He just put up a GoFundMe for her, so, you know, that's all the motivation you need right there. He's definitely looking like he's in need of some money to help that, and uh, he's definitely going to be looking to get paid in full here, not only get half his paycheck. So he's going to be coming for the win, but he doesn't have the greatest takedown defense, but it is improving, and he has a great, very tricky guard. You know, nasty armbar finish against Brian Kelleher, who's another pretty solid guy in that division. Uh, he can catch guillotines, very nice Kamoras off takedown attempts. He has a great corner he's traded at Timo Yama. They give him very good instruction in between rounds. It's one of my favorite camps. And, um, you know, he has his back against the wall here. He's coming off back-to-back -back losses. Uh, needs a way to guarantee a spot in the company. And, um, he's going to be coming out guns blazing, in my opinion. And for Luigi Bird, he's a pretty slick grappler, man. I was kind of impressed with, uh, his doggedness going for the takedown. Super aggressive. Uh, always looking to drag his opponent to the mat. Great single leg. Doesn't have great top control, but he will scramble as his opponents try to stand up. Jump on the back. Four submissions. He's pretty decent at disengaging from the clinch. Land some cheeky punches. His striking from distance is not very good. He's flat-footed. Keeps his hands low. He got dropped by Rolando D. But he does have a decent jab. Left body kick. But largely inactive on the feet. He's just looking for takedowns. He's heavy on his lead leg. He can eat a ton of leg kicks. He does have good cardio. He'll continue to cut forward unless you put him away. And Vera's a much better range striker. He has a bigger toolbox. Vera's also extremely dangerous on the ground. I feel he has uh, just as good a jiu-jitsu, if not better, than Wuliji. And um, Wuliji just took a loss to Orlando D. He's one of the worst fighters in the division. Not even sure if he's still in the UFC. And um, he's taking a sizable step up in competition here. And I don't think he's ready for this level of opposition. And uh, I got Marlon Vera via guillotine in round two. And, um, you know, I think Marlon Vera should be a pretty sizable favorite in that fight. And uh, I think I saw the line. I think he was. And, uh, you know, that's a fight that I think he should win. And up next, we had Wheelie Zag against Danielle Taylor. And unlike the last fight where I went against the Chinese uh, person, I'm going for the Chinese one this time. Wheelie Zag uh, really was pretty impressive. You know, she was going for... She was, had really good grappling. You know, she looks like a pretty badass fighter coming out of China. A lot of fighters coming out of China recently have really been impressive, and she's a tenacious fighter, man, she finishes fights, good kicks, nice leg kicks, kicks to the body, spinning heel kicks, decent hands, but her striking is second fiddle to her great grappling for sure, she has very good jujitsu, she passes people's guards with ease, likes to control her opponents from side control, great bout lands, hard ground and pound elbows, she's vicious with the ground and pound, she throws to finish the fight, she'll take the back and a rear naked choke on the ground, I feel she's extremely dangerous, um, she's good cardio, and she's very good recoverability, you know, she's gotten rocked, gotten back up very quickly, went right back to work, she gets in people's faces from the opening bell, she doesn't really let her opponents breathe, she can't get a bit too over aggressive and run into punches and get hurt, and Danielle Taylor is someone who, you know, you don't want to run into a right hand because she can't knock you out for sure, and Danielle Taylor is someone who has a style to win, uh, decisions get points, 
She's very small for the division, lacks the reach to find the pocket, so she prefers to just circle around the cage, try to time explosive entry and overhead right. Uh, she throws only to the head of the punches, very little to the body. She's very fast, can get in and out with her punches. She'll throw a leg kick and kick to the body occasionally, but mostly just a boxer. And she showed improvement in her aggression. You know, she actually fainted, was able to get inside, land some shots against Jessica Panay. But she still has a largely inactive striking style, very counter-based, and uh, just looking to get points, timer shots very effectively, not get in danger. And, um, you know, she has good takedown defense, but she struggled with uh, getting needed the tie clinch, and she was taken down by J.J. Aldridge in her previous fight. She does have big power. She can lay a cleat. She has a few knockouts on her record. She has good cardio. She won't deviate from her game plan either, regardless of the crowd is booing, you know, because she doesn't have a great fan-friendly style, but Taylor lacks the aggression to feed a girl like Zang. I think Zang's going to be on her, man. She's going to be pushing her back, good for the takedowns, and uh, I think she's going to need to catch her with a clean KO or to win this fight. So I'm going to go with Wheelie Zang by uh, second round grounded pound finish here. I think that she's going to be able to get Danielle Taylor to the ground, get mount, and uh, you know, start landing those elbows, overwhelm Taylor, and either get her to take her back and get the rear naked choke submission, or get that ground and pound finish. So I'm going to go with uh, Wheelie's Egg by ground and pound in round two. And up next, Ricardo Ramos is facing against Kung Ho Kang. And you know, this is a fun fight, man. Um, uh, both these guys are pretty good athletes. Both these guys are pretty high level prospects. But Ricardo Ramos appears to be the, like one of these athletes that jumps off the screen. You know, very explosive. Uh, he's a bit, uh, definitely a better athlete than Keg. Excellent at striking at distance. Good jab. Beautiful leg kicks. He's a good repertoire of kicks as well. Solid side kicks to the body. Spinning wheel kicks. He'll throw Sanchai kicks. Jumping roundhouse kicks. All vicious intent, man. And they all can land. He has good footwork. He'll switch stances to cut his opponents off instead of chasing. Keeps his hands low at times. But he has great shoulder rolls. Head movement to avoid shots. Does a good job slipping and ripping in the pocket. He has a good straight right hand. Good takedown defense as well, especially against the cage. He'll land shots and uh, attack with dangerous submissions. I saw him land some Travis Brown elbows in one of his fights on the regional scene and knock his opponent out. He will attack with chokes as well and uh, Kimura's off the takedown attempts. Excellent triangles off his back. He'll attack with slick arm bars. He's amazing at taking the back and he can also seamlessly move to the mount. Heavy ground and pound. He's the real deal on the mount, man. He's constantly searching for submissions. He'll transition from sub-attempt to sub-attempt. And uh, he just does that until he catches you. And he has good double legs, trip takedowns. But he seemed more content to strike in the UFC in his two fights. He's extremely dangerous. You know, he showed that in his last fight with one of the best KOs of the year. A spinning elbow against Eamon Zahabi. And Eamon is also another guy that's a great striker as well. So that was a very good performance there from him. He has dangerous flag knees. And overall looks to be, you know, a future championship contender potentially. He's extremely hardworking. He takes his MMA career extremely seriously. And his one loss, um, you know, he was caught early in a rear naked choke. And uh, after the fight, he was sobbing in the cage. He was clearly extremely upset. And uh, you could just tell how serious he takes his fighting career, how serious that loss was to him. And he hasn't lost since. And he has good cardio. He can go hard for all three rounds. Also has a good shade. He's able to eat big shots, stay calm, keep doing his thing. He's only 22 years old. He's been a pro since he's 16. And he looks to be hitting his stride. You know, he, he needs to avoid being put on his back. And this is his fight to win. He could possibly even win off his back. But it, but I've seen him submitted and controlled on the ground in fights. So I think they should try to either be on top or, you know, avoid the grappling. I don't think that he should uh, 
pull guards up for guillotines, do anything stupid, because Keg has a good grappling game as well. And Kung Ho Kang, he returned from a three-year layoff, and he hit us the most confident play of the week for us with a finish over Guido Canetti. And um, he's not been very active with late. He's only fought five times in the last five years. He's a big 135er, long reach, but in this fight, Ramos will be able to match his size fairly well, so that's something to th uh, think about. And Kang is well-rounded, athletic, with great technique. Very smooth striking. He throws nice front kicks to the body, straight punches. Uh, he'll throw some spinning heel kicks, uh, fight any techniques. He's fast. He keeps you at the end of his combinations. He's uh, actually really good with the striking uh, in his fight against uh, Tanaka early on. And he seems like a buzzsaw early on in fights, man, in his uh, previous fights. But then against Kennedy, he started off a little slow. So I think he was a little bit rusty in that fight. But usually he starts off like, you know, a man on fire. And, um, you know, really can get guys in trouble early, get them, uh, you know, flustered, get them pushed back and, uh, you know, just t uh, have a very good first round. And uh, tends to slow down after that. But he's a well-rounded athletic with great technique. He's uh, very smooth striking. He throws nice front kicks to the body, straight punches. He'll throw, um, you know, very nice striking. He's primarily a grappler, though. Tremendous timing on his shots and, you know, strength on his body locks. He's good at controlling top position. And landing ground and pound. Good at achieving dominant positions on the ground. He'll really, um, you know, get that mount very easily, very quickly at times. Very good at, you know, even getting the body lock landed straight into mount. Throws hard elbows, fight finishing shots. And he'll tackle submissions like arm bars, mounted triangles. He's big and strong for the division. Also has uh, fairly good cardio, but he does get tired um, in the third round. Even though he keeps that relentless pressure, he's really a pressure fighter. He has good scrambling ability on the ground. Great accuracy with his ground and pound. Uh, standing in your guard. He'll stand up in your guard. Land some nice shots. He looked a little rusty like I said in round 1 versus Kennedy. He was even rocked. He has been dropped quite a few times in his UFC career. He's been KO'd in the past. But he has good recoverability. The ability to push through bad situations. Come out on top. He also had uh, 2 points taken away against Tanaka. And, uh, or not against Tanaka. Against uh, Shitshu. And he was able to come back and get the victory of that fight. And, um, you know, this is a close fight skill-wise, but I believe Ramos is the more dangerous, athletic guy. And Ramos may have better BJJ as well, but it's not out of the realm possibility Kate gets a body lock. Right in the mount, takes the back and chokes Ramos out. But I think Ramos is the more likely guy to get the victory here. And I think he'll get the decision win. And I think he's someone to watch out for in that division. And, uh, someone that could make some noise in the future. And up next, Jose Torres against Alex Perez. And, um... Alex Perez has been very impressive in his UFC career while Jose Torres kind of lackluster debut in which he won um, <laughs> because Jared Brooks knocked himself out with a slam after he was most likely going to be down 2018 on the scorecards. But Torres has very fast hands, great jab, straight right hand, nice left hook, good power out of shots, great accuracy with his right hand, very accurate, very tight with it, nice overhand right as well. He'll go to a body head with his right hand. Nice leg kicks. Great clinch game. He never rests. He's landing at hard knees and elbows. Has amazing forward pressure. He just walks you down. He'll walk through your shots unfazed. Even if he gets hurt, he'll come back. Still weather the storm. Walk through your shots again. He wears you down by constantly making you fight backwards. Staying in your face. He's a solid wrestler. Good timing on his double legs. But he has questionable takedown defense himself. But... Great at scrambling, not accepting being on bottom and just wearing his guys out by getting back up and, um, you know, going right back to work. And he has uh, been taken down against bigger guys at 135 pounds. So at 125 pounds, he may be a little bit harder to take down. 
He's opportunistic with his submission game. He had a nice rear naked choke in his fight against uh, Gleison de Jesus. He doesn't have the greatest defense on the feet. He'll shell up, not move his feet when he's hurt. He doesn't move his head at times. He can get clipped with big shots. Eats a lot of leg kicks. He doesn't check kicks. Usually starts slow. And you could argue his uh, last few fights, if they were only three-rounders, um, you would probably lose those fights. He doesn't have a great foot speed and uh, a bit slow for 125. And this is a tough matchup for Torres, but he needs to lay in hard straight punches, walk out Prez, get off first, and uh, just not let Prez get into rhythm because Prez is a slick striker on the feet with Tebow Yaba. Uses a lot of fates and angles, catches people on the end of his punches and kicks. Good power to shots as well, especially for 125. He loves to take his opponents down, get to that front headlock position. He'll look for a variation of different chokes. He'll look for anacondas, darces, guillotines. He has finished two of his last three wins by Anaconda Choke, so that's his go-to specialty. He has good wrestling and is the overall better athlete than Torres, in my opinion, the quicker guy. He'll just need to use his clean boxing, good leg kicks, good uh, um, you know, kickboxing to hit and not get hit. And uh, you know, just finesse Torres. He also should be able to take Torres down and um, could possibly submit him. And um, pretty confident that Alex Perez is going to get the job done there. But Torres is a winner, man. He's someone that has one of these... Really big records on an amateur record where I think he was like 30-0 and 0 or something. and um, As well as uh, being 8-0 and 0 as a pro. So he, he's only known about winning and um, eventually he's going to get that L taken. But is it going to be Alex Perez? We're going to have to see. But I'm going to go with Alex Perez by decision in that fight. And up next, Shaman Rice gets Matt Sales. This is a pretty fun fight, you know. Shaman Rice is uh, more of the uh, typical Brazilian Muay Thai striker. While Matt Sales is... Uh, that new breed type of guy that likes to move around, use a lot of footwork. Dominic Cruz, this guy, and he actually is Dominic Cruz's main training partner. And he's a good prospect. He's a very good striker. He's light on his feet. Great in and out movement. Nasty overhand right. Very accurate with it. He'll skip into range with a clean straight right hand that slide out of the way of his counters. Has a hands down style. Uses a lot of ladder footwork, head movement defensively. He uses a lot of uh, fakes and feints, especially with his kicks. He'll fake the front kick to the body, throw overhand, or throw the front kick to the body, and um, feint the overhand. He has very good uh, kick. Shaman is a long striker, though, and um, he has power in both hands. And uh, he needs to be careful, man, with his uh, hands-down style. He can't get hit with a big kick or a big punch, and uh, he could go down. I've seen him dropped in one of his fights. He went down, like, face first, and he was able to come back get the win there, but... Um, you know, if Matt Sales gets caught clean here, Shaman Rice could take him out. And Sales also has very good wrestling, a good grappling game. And uh, he doesn't really use his wrestling very much in his fights. But if he has to, he'll, um, he will take you down and, um, you know, work from there. And he has pretty good cardio as well. And in his one loss, uh, it was a very questionable decision. I actually thought he won that fight. But for Shaman Rice, he's a long striker. Uh, he has power in both hands. He's very aggressive. He attacks with reckless abandon sometimes. He'll leave himself open to be countered and knocked out. Uh, he has a very open style. Throw wild hooks in the pocket. He'll leave his chin exposed. But if he lands, you'll be in trouble. You know, he's a really nice left body kick. He'll also like to get in the uh, cage, clinch and land brutal knees to the body. He really digs to the body. He has no problem taking shots to give shots. He has great accuracy with his hands. Good body kicks. Um, he's able to keep his hands in the right position off body kicks to defend uh, the counters. He's a great athlete with solid cardio. Nice elbows and knees in close. He likes to back you up against that fence, keep you at the end of his range with kicks. He really tries to stay defensively responsible until he gets in a firefight. He'll try to cut off the cage. 
He'll um, throw a lot of straight front kicks, round kicks to the body. He has a very fast head kick as well. Nice cutting elbows in the clinch. He likes to keep a deliberate pace, but he will brawl with you. He'll get wild. Um, he'll throw powerful looping shots, but leave himself open to being hit as well. Much better going forward than backwards. And uh, I think Sales has the footwork and movement to really give Marais some trouble. I think Marais really likes when uh, guys stay in the pocket with him, stand uh, flat-footed. And Sales is dynamic. I think he's going to be too good of a striker for Marais. I think he's going to be cutting angles. I think he's going to be, um, you know, just able to be a little bit crisper, a little bit better than Marais. And um, I'm going to say Matt Sales takes the decision in that one. And up next, we have um, Irene Aldana against Betch Correa. And... Um, you know, this is a good fight for Irene Aldana, but Betch Correa, you know, she's kind of known for being a joke in the MMA world, but she's really not that bad of a fighter, man. She's a dog. She has incredible heart. She's a striker. Good jab. Solid overhand right. She is flat-footed, not the fastest fighter, so quicker fighters could take advantage of that, and that's exactly what Irene is. But she starts slow, and she can get in a rhythm of just throwing one strike at a time. But she's much better when she starts throwing in combination, especially body-head. She'll dig with hooks to the body, then come up to the head. She'll also throw some nice uppercuts, a decent left hook. She has some pop, but not enough power to really hurt you. She has solid uh, leg kicks as well, but does not throw them often. She's good at, as a counter-striker. She'll stand right in front of her opponents, wait for him to throw. Then use head movement to slip the punch, come back with the overhand right. She can get a bit wild over in the... Uh, a bit wild and off balance at times, you know, when she strikes. She isn't the most athletically gifted fighter. She's pretty strong, though. She can get uh, in the clinch muscle girls against the cage. Pretty good double legs. She doesn't possess a great top game, but she can slow down the fight, control position from there, likes to try to steal the round with a late takedown. She has uh, great cardio, gets stronger as the fight goes on, and uh, usually she also would never look for a way out. She'll fight till the end. Um... Definitely is someone that's a warrior. She's 35, though, and you have to wonder when the decline will come. She's coming off a pretty nasty head kick KO loss, and um, she hasn't fought in um, over a year. And she had a very bad performance for home. She never really took many risks, um, wasn't um, going first, wasn't going in the pocket. And um, she's only won one of her last five fights, and this is a tough matchup for her. Aldana's a slick boxer who strikes at range, controls distance very well. She's always moving, staying on the outside, attacking with a good jab, solid straight punches, while keeping it at her range. She's not someone who will stand in front of Betch, give her the fight she wants. She's five inches taller than Betch, and Betch is going to have to take risks to get inside. She's at her best, um, Aldana's at her best when she's walking you down with punching combinations. Her straight right hand is very fast and accurate. She sets it up very well off the jab. She has very nice uppercuts as well in the pocket, and she has good head movement. She's pretty tough to hit. She can get hit and get mad, though, and want to go to war. She'll need to avoid getting emotional in this fight. She isn't much of a kicker, but she has good leg kicks and occasionally will land a body kick. She's very physically strong, good in the clinch with knees and elbows. Great takedown defense. She does a good job digging double underhooks, reversing the takedown, taking top position herself. She has strong elbows on top. She'll attack with submissions as well. She's good in the scrambles, usually lands on top. She has amazing cardio. She has the same pace in round one as she does in round three. She's a finisher. She's finished seven of her eight wins. She's been uh, she's been finished twice via TKO though, so um, that's something to look into. I don't know if it was on the ground. I wasn't able to see those fights. And uh, this is a good matchup for Aldana though. She will need to uh, boss this fight, be the one going forward, walk Betch down, and I think Betch will try to wrestle in my opinion. And when she can't get the takedown, I don't know if she's still hungry enough to take the damage and get inside. And uh, I think Aldana's going to cruise to an easy decision victory in that one. 
I'm going to go with Aldana via decision. And up next, Ricky Simone against Montel Jackson. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people very high on Montel Jackson. And I see why, you know, he's one of those guys that has a special feeling about him. He's a elite athlete, great wrestler, great offensive striking, extremely dangerous, good hand speed. You know, his jab, straight right hand are probably his best punches. He has a nice head kicking, close the distance very quickly with knees, nasty elbows in the clinch. He has big power. He is a bit flat-footed. He just walks you down, relying on his athleticism to avoid shots. Doesn't really use good footwork. He doesn't move his head. He can get hit clean, but his power and hand speed makes guys scared to commit to their punches. And he hasn't fought anyone who's hit him and made him respect their respect his respect their power. He has very good wrestling. He likes to get in the clinch, go for slams or body locks. He has nasty ground and pound elbows, but his BJJ is a bit questionable. I've seen him get submitted via armbar in 2017, and recently he got caught in a tight armbar on the regional scene. He was able to slam his way out of that one. He has good cardio. He comes in shape. He is taking this fight on short notice. He just fought a month ago in the contender series, so should be ready to go. And for Ricky Simone, he had a bit of a controversial win in his, in his first UFC fight. Um, you know, he kind of had a late choke attempt on Rob Divas-Veli, and it was a... Uh, Hard to tell if he was completely out or he was um, still in it. So they eventually gave him the uh, finish for the submission. I actually thought that was the right call. And, um, you know, Simon's, Simone is a great athlete, very fast and quick. Mixes his striking and his wrestling together very well. He's a bit flat-footed in the striking realm, but good hand speed and head movement. He has a nice jab, very good overhand right hand. Um, he has a nice straight right hand as well. He'll step in knee that uh, he attacks to the body with that's very nice he will land a really nasty left body shot left hook combination he's explosive and uh, has clean punching technique he throws solid kicks very nice leg kicks and he can go to the body as well does a great job setting up his double legs and uh he'll set him up with strikes he has a great drive he can get clean easy takedowns over his opponents really can land some nice slams his timing is very good he takes his opponents down without having to face uh, much resi- much resistance he has nice elbows. He'll attack to the body as well on the ground. Um, he passes very well. He'll try to get to dominant position, submit, or rain down punishment. He takes the back well. He's a good scrambler. When he's on when he's on the back, he seems to not have much, but he does a good job of controlling. He doesn't really go for submissions. And um, then exploding and scrambling up if you try to change position. He has good cardio. He's gotten five rounds before. He also has a solid shin, good toughness. He's been rock gotten back up, but he's going to test Montel Jackson here. Montel Jackson is going to get the first guy that's going to get in his face, eat shots to give shots, try to take him down. Jackson fought very low-level competition, and uh, Jackson could look like he could be could look very good here. He could maybe even come out, get the KO, get the decision. But um, Simon is the best guy he's ever fought, and uh, Simone has uh, fought very similar speedy, dangerous strikers in the last two fights. And his win over Mirab was on short notice. He's had a camp for this. He's in shape. And Jackson has it. And I'm going to go with um, the more experienced fighter. I'm going to go with Ricky Simone here. I think he's going to teach Montel a lesson. I think he's not going to go away after Montel has a good first round. And um, I'm going to go with Ricky Simone. Be a gritty 29-28 decision in that fight. And up next we have Pedro Munoz fighting against Brett Johns. And you know this is an interesting fight. Brett Johns is a grappler. He's a bit slow on the feet. He's plodding. He'll walk forward. Definitely took a lot of shots by Albert Morales. He was outclassed in his last fight against uh, Aljamain Sterling. But he'll throw some nice leg kicks. He sits down on his punches when he throws. Throws with power. He does a good job setting up his double legs with a punching combo. He'll throw a lot of one kick and done combinations. And he will throw some wild kicks like spinning heel kicks. But he doesn't set them up very well. 
And um, I think he just does that to kind of show some danger on the feet. Maybe close the distance a little easier. His double leg is very strong. He has some solid top control. He has no problem staying in your guard. Laid short punches and elbows. And uh, keeping good top control. He has good hammer fists on top. Short, short, uh, Strong short elbows. He likes to get the can opener position in the guard. Laid shots to the head. He has a judo black belt. But he doesn't really use many judo takedowns. And um, Brett Jodge is much more traditional on the feet. He'll keep his guard high, attack with punches, inside leg kicks. Likes to set up the rear uppercut after faking the level change. And um, very nice straight right hand. Sometimes in space he can look uncomfortable on the feet, shoot from way far out. Against the cage, he's very good. Uh, you'll go for the takedowns, get him easily if he can get you backed up there. He had a quick finish by Cass Slicer against uh, Joe Soto and a really weird finish. He got outclassed by Aljo, showed kind of the ceiling with his athleticism in my opinion. And Pedro Munoz is a good fighter on the feet. He brings a pressure, leg kicks, throws extremely hard body kicks as well. But if you get him moving backwards, he isn't nearly as effective. He likes to get in boxing range and load with heavy hooks. Stiff jab, good takedown defense. He has uh, His forward pressure makes people want to shoot on him. And that's when he wraps up his guillotine, which he's awesome at. He might have the best guillotine in the UFC. Very opportunistic. He didn't have great defense. Uh, he gets hit with clean shots as he comes in, but has a fantastic chin and cardio, and he just wears guys out. He has good high kicks as well. He doesn't really look to wrestle or grapple much in his fights, but he just makes guys so uncomfortable that they try to grapple with him, or he hits them um, with a hard shot like he did against Rob Font. Hit him with the hard hook, rocked him. Rob Font went for the takedown, got him that guillotine, and uh, you know I think Jods will know not to grapple, but when he feels the pressure on the feet, he'll revert back to what he knows man he revert back to what he's good at and i think he's gonna try to get um munoz down at some point i think he's gonna get caught in that guillotine man and um i think pedro munoz is gonna get the job done and um pretty confident in that pick as well i'm pretty confident in pedro munoz to get the job done in that fight and um up next we have cup swats against hanato moicano and another fight that i'm pretty confident in you know hanato moicano looks like a complete beast man great drag great jab great leg kicks very good body lock takedowns. Times him very well at the end of rounds. He's just a winner, man. He's someone that comes with a game plan. He's going to execute that game plan, and he's going to get the job done. He beat a very high-level guy in his last fight against Calvin Guitar. He was up two rounds to zero against Brian Ortega on his way to a clean, easy decision victory when he went for an ill-advised takedown and got caught in a guillotine. But um, he was getting hit with the jab in that fight a lot, busted his nose open. Same thing against Calvin Guitar, so he needs to get a little bit better with his head movement. And, um, you know, get off center line a little bit. But overall, man, this guy's a vicious striker. And uh, very good submissions as well. And um, someone that looks like a problem in this division. He's one of these new breed fighters coming up. And he's one of these guys that I think could take out a lot of the established guys, man. And he's getting a shot here. Take out an established guy in Cub Swatson. But, you know, if I'm being honest, I think he could take out guys like Frankie Edgar as well. I really do. I think he's at that level. I think Moicano's... Has a very good cardio. He keeps a high output. Very good pace. Very good pressure. And uh, just overwhelms guys. And uh, just looks like a very, very, very good fighter. And uh, for Cub Swatson, everyone knows Cub Swatson, man. Dynamic striker. Has a lot of fancy kicks. A lot of fancy shots. And, um, you know, very technical as well, though. He could really put it on people. And uh, good wrestling as well. And, uh... It's always been his problem with grapplers, but he actually got outclassed to the feet in his last fight against Cubs against Frankie Edgar, and uh, he's just never been able to put it together against the elite elite in that division. He has wins over you know the guys outside of the top five, but whenever he gets to that top five, has to fight those guys that are very elite. 
usually takes the loss. You know, he has a couple wins that are pretty nice. He has a win over Dustin Poirier, has a win over Jeremy Stevens, but overall, as of late, he hasn't fought the highest level of competition. And uh, when he has fought that level of competition, he's taken the loss, you know. And um, I just think Boycotto is a horrible matchup for Cub Swanson. I think he's going to dominate that fight. And um, I think the line indicates that. And um, that's why I think Hinato Boycotto is going to do, man. I think he's going to be able to finish Cub Swanson with strikes in the third round. I think it's just going to be a systematic beatdown, man. I think he's going to boss the fight. I think Cub's going to get... Clipped early, I think he's going to get hit early and often, and I think he's going to be on the back foot basically the entire fight. And I'm um, going to go with Hinato Moicano by third round finish. And up next, J.J. Aldridge against Poliana, Vit- Poliana Viana. And uh, this is an awesome fight. I'm really interested in this fight. I know a lot of people are shitting on this fight. I don't think it should be on a main card in a pay-per-view, don't get me wrong, but fun fight. You know, these are two uh, pretty high-level prospects at strawweight. J.J. Aldridge got a dominant decision victory over Daniel Taylor in the last fight. While uh, Mota won via submission in her UFC debut. So this is a big step up in competition for Mota. She hasn't faced anyone even close to Aldridge's level. JJ's an experienced fighter. She's been fighting good talent since she was 18 years old. She's fought girls like Raquel Pettitid, Kaylin Curran, Rachel Ostevich, Jamie Moyle, Tatiana Suarez, Juliana Lima. Some of those girls aren't the greatest, but they're all fighting in the UFC. And Aldridge is a striker. He's very composed and a technician. She likes to throw in combination, fast punches. She'll throw a nice straight right hand, finish with a hook. She throws very, uh, her straight right hand is very fast. She throws it straight down the pipe, no tell. She's uh, fast in the pocket with her head movement. She'll slide just out of the way, and her lead hand is very educated. She'll throw a jab. She'll double, triple up on her jab, turn it into a left hook when she closes the distance. And, um, you know, she has a nice spinning back fist in her last fight, too, against Danielle Taylor that she landed. She has great fate. She uses them to set up her straight punches. Good power in her punches. And when she puts them together, she could stun and hurt you. She throws nice kicks as well. Good front kicks and uh, round kicks to the body. She'll throw some Taekwondo spinning heel kicks. She's a black belt in Taekwondo. She has a good tie clinch. Uh, lands hard knees. She's also a brown belt in Jiu-Jitsu. Solid ground and pound. Good body lock takedowns. You saw her able to take down Danielle Taylor in her last fight. And she's one of these girls that never gets out of position. Never gets off balance. Very composed, just extremely technical, and um, I think that's going to really help her in this fight. And uh, she's also a pressure fighter who likes to cut off the cage, land her combinations. And uh, she's a better overall, more clean striker than Molta. And um, fights that Aldridge loses are fights where people can take her down. People that have good takedowns uh, can hold her down. And people that really have good chain wrestling, that's more important. She's decent at the initial takedown defense, but... People that could chain together two, three attempts, they could get her down to the ground. And uh, she does have a good chin. She will um, really start to really uh, put it together when she finds a range. She'll walk her opponents down, piece them up. She definitely likes to work from range. She won't have the reach advantage in this fight, so that's going to be something a little interesting to look at. She has very good cardio. She stays on her opponents all the way from the opening bell to the final bell. She really put it together in her last fight. She looks phenomenal. And uh, for Pollyanna Viana, she looks like a solid strawweight contender as well. She came over as a jungle fight champion. She carried that momentum into a UFC win in her first fight. She's been a finisher thus far in her UFC career, uh, or in her career overall. She's four TKOs, six submissions in her 10 victories, and now she had another submission in her UFC debut. So she has finished all of her fights. And, um, you know, it's been against very questionable competition. You know, the, even Maya Stevenson, she's never beat anyone with a win, so... 
you know, that's not the greatest win either. And she's still developing with her stand-up. She's a bit loose, open with her striking. She'll stand too tall. She doesn't move her head. And her chin is straight up in the air. She doesn't throw punches, uh, throw power in her punches sometimes. She'll throw a lot of arm punches. But she can't throw power. She can't show power and throw her straight punches accurate from time to time. Um, she will throw up a high kick, some leg kicks. But overall, she isn't a great kicker or a great striker in my opinion. But she's very tricky with her jiu-jitsu, man. She's a Mundial World Champion. She's dangerous wherever, whenever she can get a hold of you. She'll go for a standing guillotine. She'll take the back from standing position. Go for the rear naked. She'll pull guard. She'll go for jumping triangles. She'll begin to attack with arm bars. She's very slick with her arm bar setup. She gets her legs up extremely fast. She's dangerous. And for a woman, that's more rare. You know, she has the ability to finish a fight. And uh, she's finished her last uh, six wins in, six wins in round one. And if this fight goes to the ground, she has a good chance to submit anyone in the division, you know. She has a nice judo throw in her last fight, but I haven't seen her land many takedowns in her fight. She mostly just capitalizes on her opponent's grappling with her. Aldridge will not do that. She's extremely balanced. She never allows herself to get out of position. She won't give Viana the opportunity to jump on her back or pull guard, submit her, uh, because she wanes into the clinch or anything like that. Stevenson was closing the distance for Viana. She was even going for takedowns and just a terrible game plan. And uh, I'm going to actually go with J.J. Aldridge in this fight. She has much more experience for his high-level competition. A clear striking advantage, in my opinion. As long as J.J. sticks to a game plan, keeping heavy pressure like she usually does, but cutting off the cage, not chasing, while keeping her jabbing beyond his face, not giving her opportunities to clinch, I believe Aldridge will win the fight. I believe she'll execute that game plan. She's been training at 303 Training Center with girls like Tisha Torres, um, Rose Namajunas for years now. And... Um, I think she's starting to put it together, man. I think she's starting to look like she's going to, you know, take that next jump into the top 15. And uh, I'm going to go with J.J. Aldridge to stop the hype train of Pollyanna Viana. And up next, you have Thiago Santos against Kevin Holland. And this is an interesting fucking fight, man. I'm really uh, excited for this. You know, Kevin Holland's a showman. Talks a ton of shit. He even talks to the fans in his fight. He's a lot of antics. Uh, he even does some silly shit in fights. You know, he'll try to uh, tickle someone's feet in a fight that I saw. And uh, he really needs to get away from that in this fight because Thiago Santos is not someone you want to take your uh, mind off of, not someone you want to play around with because he'll fucking take you out, man. And uh, Holland has great confidence and composure in there. He just has the ability to stay calm in that fire, you know. You could just see how calm he is in the fight. Extremely long. He's an 82-inch reach, and he uses it fairly well. He has some front leg kicks, uh, front kicks to the body, uh, really nice leg kicks. He'll throw some nice head kicks as well. He'll throw some front head, uh, front kicks to the head. Good straight punches, but he can be a bit loose and open with his defense. He can get countered. Doesn't have the best boxing defense. He'll close the distance with the right hand, getting the tie clinch and no, unload with knees and elbows. Nasty elbows in the clinch. He had a spinning back fist elbow in one of his, or spinning elbow KO in one of his fights I saw. He's a Travis Luter brown belt. He has solid body locks, good ground and pound. Throw hard punches to in your guard due to his length, and he can land elbows. He's dangerous with submissions. He has a nasty guillotine, good triangles, and leg locks. He'll sweep with the omoplates. He's active off his back, and uh, it's an interesting wrinkle to a long striker. He has good cardio, but he does slow down in some of his fights, And but he does have an incredible chin, man. And all of his wins are by finish. He's never been finished by strikes either, and he's only been submitted one time by one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the sport, Rafael Lovato Jr. He has some good wins. He's fought some high-profile guys. He's fought... Has a nice decision win over Jeff Neal. 
Had a close decision loss to Curtis Melender, who's 2-0 in the, in the uh, organization. And he's taking this fight on short notice, and he's gassed in the past, so that is a bit of a concern. But he hasn't wanted this UFC opportunity for a long time, and he's jumping right onto a main card pay-per-view slot. So, um, golden opportunity for him here. And for Thiago Santos, he has 9 TKOs since 2014, and he's won that way in his last 4 wins. He, his last eight fights have not all, have all not seen the judges' scorecard, so he's definitely been finishing fights of late. And Thiago Santos is a long striker, but he's an athletic beast, man. Very good athlete. His left leg is one of the most dangerous legs in the UFC. Um, you know, brutal leg kicks to the body, brutal uh, hit kicks to the head. Um, you know, he finishes people with left body kicks, left high kicks, spinning heel kicks. He's finished people with leg kicks before. He'll throw jumping roundhouse kicks to the head and uh, front kicks to the head as well. He has a great straight punch blitz. He can now strike seamlessly in both stances. He'll walk you down and throw heat, man. He's throwing big power in all his punches. And uh, he's gotten much more technical, less dependent on one-strike combinations. He's starting to put things more together. He has been dropped, you know, by Jack Marshman and some other guys. And he should, uh, he's shown that he um, doesn't have the greatest chin. And uh, he's never sh- he never should have been dropped by those type of guys. You know, he gets too confident and he'll get into the pocket and uh, try to go to war with guys that he should just be finessing, you know. And he's improving. He has solid cardio, improving takedowns. And there's a lot of damage on his takedown defense with elbows. When you go for um, takedowns against the cage especially, he'll try to land those Travis Brown elbows, really put it to you. He did that against Gerald Mearshart. He's a great get-up game, and once he gets up, he'll unload with punches and in his last fight against, um, uh, who was that? In his fight against uh, Anthony Smith, he was becoming a little bit wild, though. And he really went for the finish early, and he was falling off throwing kick. He even got mounted because of that. And he was able to reverse position and uh, get in the top position. But his jiu-jitsu is not that great, and that's why this is an interesting fight. I know that this is Holland's debut, and it's against a top 15 guy, but... This guy's an excellent chin, and he has a better ground game than Thiago, man. And I think at some point he's going to take him down, and I think he's going to submit Thiago Santos and get a big upset victory in his UFC debut. And uh, because of that, I'm going to go with Kevin Holland by second-round submission in that one. And uh, I think he's going to be able to get the job done. And up next, we have Demetrius Johnson against Henry Cejudo. And, um, you know, this is a rematch from a few years back. Demetrius Johnson got that first-round finish, just a dominant victory. Henry Cejudo wasn't um, ready for that level of competition. He wasn't ready for that clinch game of uh, Demetrius Johnson. And um, he has shown improvements. You know, he has more of a Taekwondo ba- uh, style um, striking now. Uh, really good in and out. Very good hands, you know. And apparently he's been knocking out his sparring partners. Has some big power. And the last time we heard someone said they were knocking out their bar- sparring partners in practice, you know, Daniel Cormier went in there and knocked out um, Stipe Miocic in the first round and took the title from him. So... You know, something that I like to hear, but, you know, for uh, Henry Cejudo, I think he's going to need to uh, really try to rock DJ here. DJ has shown, you know, that he can get clipped, you know, he can get hurt with punches. He's gotten hurt against John Dodson, and um, also he struggled with uh, getting taken down. You know, he got taken down by Tim Elliott. He was almost submitted in that fight. Got taken down by Ian McCall, and uh, Cejudo has a real chance to win this fight, in my opinion. I think the line is off. I think that Cejudo is a live dog in this fight. I think that he's constantly improving. He's an Olympic wrestler. He's looking at phenomenal shape, man. If you go on his Instagram, look at his pictures. He looks in incredible shape, much better shape than he usually does. And uh, for Demetrius Johnson, man, 
one of the best of all time, but he's definitely been having a lot of surgery. He's been getting hurt a lot lately, and, uh, you know, people weren't sure if he was going to be ready for this time, uh, fight at this time, you know, so hopefully he's coming in here 100%, but what can you say about Demetrius Johnson besides that the guy's one of the best of all time, man? I mean, in his last fight with Ray Borg, he literally threw the guy in the air, got an arm bar, and uh, one of the most dynamic strikers in uh, UFC history in terms of getting hit, or in terms of hitting and not getting hit. He really is just phenomenal, man. He rarely, rarely gets hit in his fights. Makes a lot of his fights look easy, man. I mean, I don't think he's had a tough fight besides Tim Elliott since the first uh, John Dodson fight. I mean, every other fight besides that, he's looked dominant. Really dominated these guys. Really good uh, top game. He's always uh, will go for those takedowns, the double legs, get on top. And uh, very smothery game. He'll go for a lot of submissions. Uh, very nice jujitsu. And, um, you know, I just can't p pick against DJ until I see it happen, man. So, I think that he's going to retain the title. I think that he's going to continue his dominant uh, reign. And uh, I think Henry Cejudo, like I said, is a live dog. I think he does have a chance in this fight. But, man, I can't pick against Demetrius Johnson. I can't do it. So, uh, I'm going to go with Demetrius Johnson by decision in this fight. But I do think Henry Cejudo will have his moments. I do think he'll win a round. And, uh... Yeah, but I'm going to go with Demetrius Johnson in that one. And um, for TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt, the main event, oh, man, I've been looking forward to this rematch for since it got announced. You know, just, that first fight was incredible. You know, Cody Garbrandt almost took him out in the first round. TJ Dillashaw was able to recover, come back, and, uh, you know, take Cody Garbrandt out in the second round. But, you know, there was a lot of things going into that fight, a lot of different things with Cody having that back problem. He was saying he wasn't able to trade as well as he should have, and, uh, you know, TJ was, uh, looking very sharp, man, he went out there that second round, he made the adjustment, started throwing a lot more kicks, not getting in boxing range with Cody Garbrandt, and that's where he has the advantage, man, he has the advantage at distance, switching stances, throwing kicks, staying on the outside, and, uh, Cody Garbrandt has the advantage with that slick boxing, man, he has the power to put anyone's lights out, extremely fast hand speed, I mean, I can definitely see Cody catching TJ in a punching combo, and just, laying him out, putting him out clean, and, uh, TJ has been addressing that, though, he's been training that with, uh, Vasily Lomachenko, one of the best pop-for-out boxers of, uh, you know, of today's time, and, uh, really been trying to sharpen up his boxing going into this fight, I think that's a great, uh, thing to do, because Cody Garbrandt, like I said, has some of the best boxing in the division, the best power, great slips, great feints in the pocket, he'll come back with shots, and, uh, I really think TJ should not try to be in the pocket with this guy and throw hands, man. He should try to stay on the outside, use his footwork, use his feints, use his, you know, his uh, double leg takedowns, change the distance. Uh, you know, never give Cody Garbrandt the same look. Don't let him get in a rhythm. And uh, just try to make this a very tactical fight from the outside where you're coming in trying to lay takedowns. And for Cody Garbrandt, he's going to need to make this a war, man. He's going to need to get inside. Uh, let those hands go, needs to hurt TJ, needs to, uh, you know, really push the action here, because I think TJ is the one that could hang on the outside and win the decision, and, um, you know, if you look historically, man, all these guys that were former champions that lost their belt, you know, and then came back, had the immediate rematch, um, you know, they don't have that much success, you know, you look at Jose Aldo most recently against Max Holloway, Two cracks at the guy, he lost his title to Holloway, lost the rematch. You see guys like, uh, for instance, Frankie Edgar. He fought Jose Aldo once for the title, 
lost. Uh, fought him again for the title. Lost again. Uh, BJ Penn versus uh, Frankie Edgar. Um, Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman. Usually when these champions lose the belt and they get that immediate rematch to fight against, uh, you know, the same guy that just finished him or the same guy that just took him out, they usually don't fan very well, man. They usually lose, and you have to take that into account. You know, it's a mind game in there. It's definitely, um, you know, a lot of bit, a lot about mental uh, stability in this fight game. And uh, if you're not in there with the mindset that you're going to be able to win, if you have a little bit of uh, doubt in your head because you just got knocked out, you know, a year ago, then, uh, you know, that plays against you. And uh, because of that, I'm going to go with TJ Dillashaw to retain his title. I'm going to say he wins via third-round TKO. And, um... That's an extremely close fight, man. I wouldn't be surprised if Cody got the uh, finish either. But, like I said, uh, there's something to say about history, about precedent. And uh, usually if a fighter loses title to a uh, to a guy and they uh, have the immediate rematch, it doesn't go well for him. So, because of that, I'm going to go with TJ Dillashaw. And, um, you know, for the uh, parlay of the week, I'd say to go with... Uh, let I'd say to go with, uh, I would say Wheelie Zhang and um, Pedro Munoz would be a good parlay, as well as you could substitute Irina Adana for uh, Zhang as well, whichever you would like. Um, there is this card is pretty tough, man. It's hard to find uh, some good combinations for parlays, but I do think that Ricardo Ramos is a guy that's a. Uh, guy that's most likely to win but there is an avenue for Kane to get the job done there I think Marlon Vera should win but he's a very sizable favorite uh Alex Perez I think that he should get the job done you know I think that um he's just the better athlete than Torres but Torres is a winner man and that's a interesting fight Ricky Simone as the underdog or uh, I don't know if he's the underdog but I think that he has a very solid chance of winning as well and uh like I said man JJ Aldridge and Kevin Holland those are two upset picks that I'm uh, giving you right there and I think that they have a very good chance to get the victory as well. Moicano has a very good chance to get the victory, but he's a sizable favorite. Uh, I could put those guys in a parlay of the week for you, but don't really like giving you those type of, uh, you know, big favorites. So that's why I'm going to go with the parlay that I gave you. But, you know, play your own plays that you like as well. And uh, write down in the comments what you guys are going to play, what bets you're going to be putting down, who you're picking. You know, let's create a conversation in there. And uh, make sure to subscribe. I'm going to start to... Uh, you know, uh, potentially do a video portion of this uh, podcast. Tell me what you guys would think about that. If I got a, uh, you know, a camera, got a decent setup, and uh, started to uh, maybe make some animations in the background, beef up the video portion of this, uh, uh, you know, show. Uh, tell me what you guys think. You think that would be a good idea? Um, you know, would you guys like to see that? Do you guys like the current format? Um, let me know what you guys think. And um, I'm also going to be trying to uh, put this... Uh, um, show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all that. So um, make sure to check me out over there. Subscribe, you know, uh, give a uh, give a rating, whatever you have to do over there to uh, you know support the show, man. I really uh, enjoy uh, connecting with you guys, talking to you guys every week, and uh, you know, I'll, uh, hopefully we can uh, bounce back, have a good week again this week, and uh, I'll see you guys tomorrow for the Data White Contender Series. Um, I think that there's some pretty good uh, opportunities on that as well this week. So. Um, Hope you guys enjoyed the show and, uh, you know, have a great day and, uh, hopefully we get, uh, some good wins on, uh, Saturday.